Hi folks, Jack Spierko here. Today you are listening to an episode of TSP Rewind. <laughs> Commercial free versions of past episodes. Podcasts blast from the past. I put these up when I can't do a show due to professional commitments or rare vacations. These podcasts will appear in standard iTunes, Stitcher, and other feeds, but will be titled TSP Rewind Episodes and numbered accordingly. And today we are rewinding back to July the 20th, 2011. That's a long time ago. That's before Nine Mile Farm was a thing. I love some stuff in this episode that uh, I kind of wanted to point out in the new intro. One, it will start right from the very beginning because we were living in Arkansas. I had an office, and I had a way of introducing the show back then. I won't say what it is now, but when you hear it, some of you who haven't been around forever in a day will have never heard it before, and I think it's kind of cool. I usually take the sponsor spots out of this episode, and I took one of them out because the company is no longer in business. But there's another sponsor spot in this episode. I went ahead and left it in, and you know why? It was 2011, and they were a sponsor, and it's 2022, and they're still a sponsor. And I thought that would be cool, too. The next thing I wanted to say uh, during this intro is that you'll hear uh, a little bit in this, you'll hear me mention a thing called AgriTrue. What was AgriTrue? AgriTrue was a company that I and some partners started uh, that was designed to basically be a alternative, a parallel alternative to organic certification for farmers and growers. And... It failed. It failed. And I, I won't go into why, but it failed. And this, this episode is all about making things happen, taking risks, going ahead and doing it, and just building it and solving problems as they come. And so in it, I talked toward the end a little bit about how AgriTrue was already beginning to get traction. It was already working, etc. And yet, it doesn't exist today. Now, I actually think today we have technology that might make it more viable. And maybe I, and I think the name was terrible, by the way. Um, we may come up with a new way to do what I was trying to do back then. And somebody else maybe is the person to build it. But we took a shot at it. And I didn't think it would have been right for me to have, let's say, removed the piece where I'm talking about it just because it's not around anymore. Like the whole point of this episode, getting the life you want so you can live it, is about going for things. And when you go for things, and you go for things over and over and over again, you are going to hit a ton of home runs. And occasionally, you're going to strike out. And occasionally, you're going to get hit by a pitch, and you don't get a free base when you do. It's all okay. So I just thought it would be a great episode today. Now let me tell you a little bit about why we're doing a rewind today. So um, I had Joel and Wendy all weekend. They actually got here Thursday night. They just left like an hour ago. We spent the whole weekend introducing the dogs, drinking all the whiskey, and eating all the food that I normally don't eat. We took them out to two fabulous meals. I cooked here at home as well. Uh, I taught Joel what old fashions were, and we drank all the old fashions. And so I'm tired, and I need to recuperate. And I also spent a lot of time discussing Joel's business with him. And I have some exciting things we'll be talking about on air uh, with his one of his concerns, which is called Canine Academy. And uh, it was great, but it was tiring. And because I spent to- so much time discussing things, my voice is strained. And I know I'm not going to do a great new episode today. 
There are some other things I want to tell you at the beginning of this episode, though, because you'll need to know them for the rest of the week and actually for the next two weeks. Not only did I have a great weekend, I also got thrown in prison. Not real prison, YouTube prison. Yeah, they threw me in the prison again. Uh, I cannot stream or upload content to YouTube for two weeks. This will not affect the audio podcast, obviously, at all. I still will be streaming to Rumble and Odyssey and Float and all the other platforms. And when my prison time expires, I will upload all of the recorded videos during that time to YouTube. And we'll go back to life in general until maybe if I say something truthful again, they'll do it to me again. And maybe eventually they'll ban me forever. I don't know. But that's what's going on. So there's a few things in that. Number one, if you want to watch a live stream now, you're going to have to pick one of the other platforms. And the good news is I still always update. It's not updated right now. It's still got the last week's show on it. But uh, TSPCLive.com. You can go there and see the other platforms. Pick one. Register on it. You should always have backups anyway, right? Two is one, one is none. Um, <clears throat> but the real reason that I like YouTube for the live streams is when people are watching on YouTube, they can comment on YouTube, and I see it in the back office of, um, of, of StreamYard. That, that also happens with Facebook and Twitch. It doesn't happen with any of the other services. So this is what I want to let you know. What I'm going to be doing as far as answering questions or giving show mentions this week and next week, and it might continue, is if you want me to answer your question in a live stream or pick up your talking point, you're going to have to give me some Bitcoin. Not much. It could be one Satoshi for all I care. But what we're going to do is we'll have you basically use the, tele, uh, the, uh, the Fountain app, and you can boost the show, not the episode, just the whole show. And I'll have in my wallet that I can see all the boosts that come in. If it sounds hard, it's not. That's why I want you to use Fountain. It makes all this easy. And when I'm toward that question and answer period, I'll look into the boosts, and I'll start, you know, so-and-so from Fountain did that, and they sent 100 sats. And... You know, that's like, I don't know, four cents or something. And, and uh, yeah, okay, their question is. And then there'll be no more, you have to do all caps and everything. I think this is going to be a cool way to do things. And I'm actually, I've got a thing on my own node that would allow for this, but I, I really actually like the idea of using the Fountain app because it's easy for me when I'm engaging with the camera to not try to use a second computer to just have my phone and have everything in one place and I don't have to sort through anything. So I think that would be really great because if I'm trying to use like the chat on Odyssey, well, your question was five minutes into the show and it's buried under a hundred other people's comments, right? But if it's all in one place <clears throat> and I figure if you want me to talk about it, then a few sats is no big deal. And the good news, of course, is Fountain will give you sats for listening to the podcast you're already listening to anyway. One more thing, and this fits perfectly with today's episode. It fits perfectly with this Eeyore, it doesn't work mentality. I just got an email from somebody. And he said, Jack, <clears throat> I know you said, if you don't use Fountain to listen to your podcast, you hate money. But I cannot recommend it. It's too buggy. I saw my sats that they streamed to me then go backwards, and I didn't get any sats when I listened to one thing. Okay. All right, it's free money, and they're working on things, and sometimes it doesn't always work. But it works a lot. I've made thousands of sats, not just from you guys, but thousands of sats just listening to the podcasts that I listen to. I've made sats listening to my own freaking show. Because I actually do that at times. I'll listen to one of my own shows to critique it. Like, what could I have done better? 
So they've paid me to listen to my own podcast. And sometimes when technology's new, it doesn't work. And I'll tell you something else about Fountain. They have a real risk in what they're doing. And that risk is that people could get automated bots to just listen, you know, quote unquote, listen to podcasts and suck sats out of the system. Now, since they don't give out a huge amount of sats, I think that risk is somewhat mitigated, but I, I know they're playing with different ways of monitoring users to make sure that they're actual people. I know they're doing that. There's another thing. You have a daily sat limit. You have a daily sat limit. So once you hit your cap, you stop earning sats. So it could be that this person had already hit their cap, and there was a few more before they hit the cap, and when they hit their cap, it kept running in the counter and then backed off. I don't know. But it's not buggy. Buggy would be it doesn't function well. It functions beautifully. You can listen to your shows. You can make clips. You can listen to clips. You can connect with other users. You can see the clips that they have. They can see the things that they like. And if you make a clip and somebody likes your clip, you get 10 sats. And I just had a guy that made a clip, and I was like, I'm really glad he made that clip. And I just sent him 100 sats. So I saw he did a clip of, of my shows. I monitor my shows. He did a clip of TSP. I liked the clip. So I went like, 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 and gave him 100 sats because I feel like he helped me. He made a clip of the show, which is now helping to promote my show. So, of course, I threw him some sats. This is value for value. It's not value for Jack. I'm not pushing you there only so you can, you know, you can, you can give me money. I'm pushing you there so that we can share value with each other and so you can get value for other podcasters. I want podcasters to do well. And I think a lot of the media that's entering podcasting right now, they're not podcasters. They're talking head radio jackasses that have discovered this platform reaches more people than their antiquated shit. But the real podcasters, I want them to do well. I want the guy with a little podcast about tropical fish that not even really isn't in it for the money, but he's helping people in a great hobby. If he could make a hundred bucks a month, it's a home run for him. And I don't know another way for that person to do really well. So please consider using the Fountain app. It's at fountain.fm. There is a referral code, but I don't need it anymore. It, it, it's not like a, they pay you to refer people. When you put somebody's referral code, code in and redeem it, their earning power goes up. And once you hit 5X, you hit 5X. So you guys in the TSP Telegram group, you guys can just give each other the code after you've already joined and redeem each other's codes and push each other up. So do that. 5X your earnings. Then there'll be more sats. And just remember, even with that, you have a daily limit. And I'm sure the amount of sats earned per you know hour listened will go down over time. I'm sure they'll do that. I'm sure they're coming out of the gate hard to get as many people on board as possible to get the experience because it's great. I'm sure they're going to do that. They're, eventually, like whatever amount of VC money sitting there will will whittle down. But it is a fantastic business model. It's the best thing I've seen since I started podcasting in 2008. Anyway, enough on that. And also, shout out to Jake on Twitter. Jake on Twitter. Not Jake that we shoot with an airsoft gun. Different Jake. This morning, I woke up, and there was a tweet from him. And he said, this would make a great Rewind episode. And I, and I thought about how I was physically feeling today. And I was like, yes, it would. So thank you, Jake. And thanks to Jake, everybody's getting a ride back to 2011, July 20th, 2011, originally episode 706, Getting the Life You Want So You Can Live It. Again, first air, January 20th, 2011. There's better.
Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of Survival Podcast. There's always one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we all do to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, high atop the Highway 7 Bridge Line from TSPN, the Survival Podcast Network headquarters. Today is July 20, 2011. It's Tuesday, and we're going to do episode 706 of the Survival Podcast, and today... I'm going to do something I do every once in a while. I probably do this about every three months, and it's probably at the least frequency that I should be doing it. And that is we're going to talk a little bit today more about how to think for life than how to think for preparedness in general or exactly what to do or how to do it or what to store or anything like that. We're going to talk about how to get the life you want in the first place. And uh, we'll get into that really deep today with some kind of philosophical concepts and some things that... Some of you may struggle, but some of you may have heard them before and still struggle with them. And I'll tell you this, when you accept them, you'll be on your way to getting the life you want. Now, I can't tell you what that life is. It's up to you to define it. That's one of the tenets there. Like I said, we'll get to that in a minute. Before we do that, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day, number one today, KnifeKits.com. I love Knife Kits because anybody can go there and get what they need to learn how to start making knives. If you are a master bladesmith and you just want raw materials that you can craft and shape your own blades and do all the work, you can get that there. If you kind of want pieces and parts that you can kind of put together and assemble to make something unique and custom, but it's more like putting together, let's say, a glue-together model back when you were a kid, you can get that too. A little bit more complicated, but something anybody that has basic hand tool skills and some you know basic power tools could do, and anything in between. And that's what I love about knife kits. They also have really neat exotic handle material like Mammoth Tusk. I just got my Mammoth Tusk knife back from a custom knife maker named Patrick. I'll be trying to get a video out on that over the weekend for you of the knife that he made for me. But uh, I think it's cool now that I have this, this awesome neck knife that I've been wearing every day since I got it. And I'm actually walking around with the tusk of a creature that roamed our planet 10 or 20,000 years ago. I think that's pretty amazing that knife kits can connect you with that type of exotic material but hey you just want bone or sheep horn or coco bolo or ironwood or whatever they've got that too from the extreme to the uh to the typical everything you're looking for at knifekits.com remember if you're part of the msb you get a discount on everything you buy there so make sure you go buy your msb account first to get the discount code and let me see if i can give you 20 cents or more of value today i really want to bring value to you with this today and, and, and I want to explain to you where I'm coming from today when I do this. I just feel like I've seen some negative comments lately uh, in emails, in uh, comments on the blog, in posts on Facebook about how uh, people wish they could, hope they could, want to, maybe can, all this kind of crap that I have no time for. And from the very beginning, I made the Survival Podcast a positive uh, presentation of survival and preparedness planning. And I did that with a slogan that says, helping you live the life you want if times get tough or even if if you don't, if they don't. Um, and, and there shows the weakness that I mispronounced it myself and I say it every day. You hear it in every show. I think episode two might have been the first time that I ever said it. So I think maybe episode one, I wasn't quite sure what I was doing yet. It might be in episode one. I'll have to check. Uh, by the way, something happened during one of the server moves. 
and the shows from like 80 back or something like that are not showing up. I think I've corrected it up to about 30. I'm working on that. I'll do a few a day till I get them all restored. So if you've been trying to listen to an early show, that's being fixed. A little side note there. But I came up with this slogan, right? Helping you live the life you want if times get tough or even if they don't. And what I want you to know is I'm a professional marketer, at least I was. I don't consider myself a professional marketer anymore. Uh, now I consider myself a podcaster and a community builder that uses my old marketing skills in that endeavor. But at the time I did this, I was a professional marketer. So I was very aware of the fact that that tagline breaks every rule of taglines. That's not a good strap line. Um, it's too long. It's clunky. Most who try to repeat it don't get it right. Even I screw it up once in a while. I get on shows where they interview me. They're like, I listen to you all the time, and I love that thing you say. What is it? Oh, the thing I say every day at the beginning of the show that's strapped across. You can't get it right. Don't. I'm not going to blame them. It's clunky. It's. I, I don't even think it's proper English. I'm really not sure about that. I'm not an English scholar. I was never educated in a higher institute of learning, so I, I'm not sure if that's the case. But I will tell you this. Uh, Coke, who came up with their slick, remember their old tagline, it's the real thing. Their marketing department would have laughed me out of a building with helping you live the life you want if times get tough, or even if they don't. Um, The people at Hertz summed it all up with two words. We're number one. And there's this group of lunatic genius uh, marketers out of England called the Saatchi Brothers. They were a company called Saatchi and Saatchi. And their whole marketing spiel, and these guys are probably the best in the world at what they do, is to create what they call a love word, a brand love word. And what they'll do is they'll come into a company and they'll completely pick it apart. And at the end of that thing, they'll say, Your tagline is this one word, you know, and that's it. That's the only word that we want associated with your brand. Sometimes markets do that for the brand itself. If I say Volvo, you'll think safety. You might not, but most people would. Okay, and that is what we're talking about when we say that. So that's like professional marketing. And here I am with this clunky thing. And yet three years and two weeks later... Here I sit with 25,000 people listening to this show. Uh, one of the most amazing forums on the Internet as far as I'm concerned. This huge community built around it. 10,000 Facebook fans. Thousands of people watching my videos on YouTube. People sharing the show. People printing out you know, information and sharing it with other people. Uh, people traveling halfway across the country to meet me. Uh, this, it, it, so it worked. Well, why did it work? But it, it works for two reasons. Number one, because it broke the rules. And in my foundation of this show, I knew I had to break rules. Because my whole show is about breaking the fake rules that we're told we have to follow in life. I'm not like Erwin Schiff. I'm not telling you you don't have to pay your taxes. And I'll get emails now from people going, but Jack, you don't have to pay your taxes. Yes, see in the clink, buddy. Okay? you got to pay your taxes. That doesn't mean you pay them all willingly. It means that you do smart, you get a good CPA, but, but you got to pay your taxes. I'm not talking about breaking rules like that. I'm talking about all these fake conventions in life. We're told you have to live your life this way if you want to be successful. And, and my problem with that is I look at plenty of people that did that followed all the rules that are 30-somethings, 40-somethings, and 50-somethings today, and they're absolutely flipping miserable. So I don't care how much money you have in the bank. I don't care how good your retirement's going to be if you don't die before you get there. I don't care how big your car is. I don't care how shiny your house is. I don't care how many credit cards you have with special 
privilege is, whether it's the Plum card or the American Express Black card, which I've only ever even seen one of those. Um, I, I, I don't care what you have. If you're not happy, you're not successful. It's impossible to be successful and miserable. You might be successful by the way other people judge you, but you're not successful. So if I was going to do an entire show about breaking all of those rules, how the hell could my foundational statement not be a rule breaker? It had to be. Now, did I think about it that way when I did it? No, but when I look back, that's how it happened. That's why it happened. And number two, and this is the more important reason why it's worked, it's true, it's real, it's genuine, and it makes sense to people. Hoarding tons of crap is pointless. It's abs- If you just, I'm going I'm to survive the apocalypse, and you just stuff shit in your house and under your bed, and you've you got five years worth of MREs, and you're ready for it, you got your AR, and oh, I'm ready, you're a freaking moron. I'm sorry. Because we can look at societal breakdowns in the past and see that, that that approach never really worked for an individual or even a family. Now, a sensible way to do that on a community level might make some sense, but that's not how we build a better life. But when I tell you, look, I can show you how to prepare for the worst, but today it will benefit you now. And you won't take up all your space with all this hoarding and live in fear. You'll live in power and you'll improve your life every single day. And then when I give you the formula, you look at it and go, that might work. And then you take a little bit of it and go, well, this piece doesn't work for me. This guy's a libertarian wacko uh, on this subject and I'm not going to think that way. But this, this garden thing works or this way to save money at the store works or this learning some skills uh, and, and doing some things for myself work. This getting whatever part you take is your first piece. You do it and it works and you go, I thought. Good. Maybe this guy's not so nuts after all. He's still nuts about this, this, and this, but I'll try this piece here. And maybe some of the pieces you never even get to because they're just not you, and that's okay. We're going to talk about how important it is that you think that way today. I don't want you to think like me. I don't want automatons out there. I don't want 25,000 people going, we do what Jack says. I want 25,000 people going, Jack's nuts, but man, he makes sense here. That's the kind of community I think I have. So... When, when it's presented to you that way and you start to follow these principles and you, f- you form them into your own life and they start to work, you, you start to realize that, yeah, this stuff does work. But so once in a while, like today, I have to spend some time talking about how you can get the life you want in the first place. Because there's so many people out there that are now listening to this show and working for that life, but they have put the time horizon out too far. It's a 20-year plan. It's 20 years is too long. 20 years is too long. A significant number of people that you're hearing my voice right now will be dead before we get to 20 years. One of them could be me. I don't know. You don't know. None of us know. I could be on the way home from work today and get hit by a gravel truck. I really hope it doesn't happen. I've got my big F-350, my seatbelt, my airbags. Hopefully I'll survive and I'll be crippled if it happens, but it could. So a 20-year timeline to get what you want, too long. Because a 20-year timeline to get what you want will result in misery because you'll be making all kinds of sacrifices that aren't really necessary. And you'll be making all kinds of stupid choices that aren't really necessary because instead of working on getting it now, you're working on getting it later. So just for today, just for today, and I'm going to give you an out if it feels uncomfortable, but just for today, I want to change the slogan. Helping you live the life you want now 
if times get tough or even if they don't. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to focus on the proper mindset. So whatever it is you want that life to be, you can get there. Perhaps not, and here's the out, not now is in this second. But I don't want you to have the timeline that American Express, financial advisors, when they show the two old people walking down the beach with their pants rolled up to their knees, carrying their shoes, and they're both silver gray and in perfect form still. They're, they're, they're like 65, but they're that youthful, energetic, go to Mexico, get HGH injection type of 65. Really, really wealthy and have all the time in the world for what they love. I don't want you to think that far ahead. Because even if you live to be 85, which is a fair age, it's a fair age to, you know, a lot of people are living past it, but I mean, it's hard to say that somebody that makes it to 85 didn't, and, and is reasonably healthy till 85, didn't have a pretty good long life. I think it can be 100, but 85 is pretty good. Well, if you spend 65 years, you only get 20. And there's a 20-year in decline. So we have to accelerate that timeline. Now, if you're 60 right now and you're listening to me, don't get all depressed. You know, and if you're 60 and you're not there yet, don't get all depressed. Because it's all relative to where you're at in life. And most of us, no matter how unhappy we are with where we are, we can look back from where we've come from, and there's been plenty of good along the way. So don't let these things drag you down. But if you are 20, if you are 30, if you're in your early 40s, 65 is too long for everyone in that group. If you're 55, 65 might be okay. I still think it's too long. to, to Maybe to get all the way there. But this is the problem. And this is why people end up miserable in retirement. People get none of the way there until the very end, and then they quit, and then they have, you know, hopefully they have enough money between whatever the government gives them and whatever they put away from themselves, and if there's still a pension or something like that around for them, that when you put all that together, I can live now. But you've acquired nothing of what you really want other than stuff. No lifestyle, no, you're not living where you want to live, you're not living the way you want to live, and then you just kind of go, huh, now what do I do? Because you've spent 65 years conditioning yourself to live in a way that's not what you want. So then it becomes hard to live the way you want. It's difficult. Because you don't step out a bit at a time. right? It's like the baby bird that never even stretched its wings and you throw it out of the nest. It falls to the ground. The mother will eventually throw that bird out of the nest. But long before that, that baby bird's going to step up on the ridge of the nest. He's going to put his wings out. He's going to stretch them. He's going to flap them. He might get a little bit of lift. He might fly to a branch a little bit away from the nest and back to the nest. And then finally, Mom says, okay, you've, you know how your wings work now. Go. But that's not how we end up retiring in America today. We go from full on to full off, and then we go, now what the hell do I do? And then we start to have regret. We look back and go, why? And if, here's the problem. If we just start doing what we want to do, we start to realize, I could have done most of this stuff 40 years ago. Why the hell did it not? And then we're, we're plugged with regret. So, so that's how we end up there. So how do we, how do we get, how do we avoid it in the first place? Well, the first thing you have to do, and, and, and this is scary to people. This makes people, this makes people cry. I, honest to God, I've seen adult men, adult women cry when they're forced to think this way. What you, you have to know what you want. You have first you must know what you want. Every day, let me put it in a way you'll understand. Every day ships leave ports all over the world. Japan, California, New Orleans, 
you know, Patagonia, South Africa, England, ports all over the world. There's thousands and thousands of ports that ships both little and big and gigantic, you know, leave. And in that ship is a captain, and he has navigational equipment that can get him anywhere in the world that he wants to go, literally with canals and passes and all. You can sail all the way around the world. Magellan did it, what, in 1600s? Right, so if he could do it then, anybody could do it today. But that navigational gear does that guy absolutely no good, or gal, because there's female captains out there and damn good ones, does no good, whether it's a small personal yacht or a giant super uh, freighter. Does you no good to have any of that gear unless you know where the hell you're going. Unless you know that I'm going from London to Florida. And i got to know more than that. i got to know exactly what port I'm leaving at exactly what time and what the speed of my vessel is and where that port in Florida is. And i got to con- con- communicate with the harbor master there. I've got to ra- make arrangements. And then I have to monitor my progress all the way. And every time I get off course, I have to readjust to get there. But guess what? When you look at the size of our planet... And despite all the little National Geographic crap about how small and fragile the planet is and they show you the little marble-sized view of Earth, it's massive. Our planet is so big. Think about how long it takes you just to drive across a county. And then think of how many counties there are in your states, and we got 50 states in this union. And if you live in a little state, it's still big. And then think about how big Alaska is. And then think about the fact that the that Russia, what's left of it after the breakup, is still way bigger than the United States. And those are just two countries. And there's over a hundred countries. And then 75% of the planet is water. It's massive. And there's storms. And there's currents. And there's dangers. But yet, 99.999% of those ships leave on Wednesday. And if they plan to show up on Saturday the next week at this port, when the harbor master is ready for them, there they are. Now, why does that happen? Because they know where they're going. Now, how does this make people cry? I'm going to ask you right now. What do you want? What do you want in your life? And if you have any idea what that is, and you can start saying, I want this, I want that, I want this, and I don't want stuff. I want. What do you want as far as how you want to live your life? Where? How? What do you want to do when you get up in the morning? When the alarm goes, and you shut it off and go, now I can do whatever I want. I don't have to go to an office, you know? Maybe you still want to go to an office. I don't have to go to an office, but I do. It makes sense for me where I'm at in life right now. I pay for the office, and I show up here. But what would you do? What kind of life would you have if you could have anything you want? If you could spend your time doing anything you wanted, what would it be? And I, I know people think of the lottery way, and I'll get a limo, and I'd run around and spray Dom Perignon out the roof, and all, when all that's over, what would you do? And if you can't answer it, don't cry. Most people can't. Because most people never stop and really ask the question. They confuse themselves with doodads and gizmos and everything that life markets to us. We stop and be still and hear ourselves and say, what do I want? We start to realize that most of us don't flippin' know. Now, if you start going, I want this, and I want my house to be like this, and I want to live here, and I want to walk, and this is what I want the weather to be like, and, and this is what I want to do with myself, and this is how I want to make a difference in the community, and this is what I want to be known for, and this is what I want to be respected for, and this is what I want to be loved for, then go woohoo, because you're already, you're already 90% of the way there. I'm going to give you a whole bunch of other stuff you have to do, but if you got that one down, you're in good shape. If you don't, 
That's the one that you absolutely have to be working on. And I mean, you have to be working on it now. Because if you don't know what you want, you're just that ship that's just going in circles in the middle of the Pacific. You're going to get tossed and you're going to end up seasick. That's it. You've got to figure out what it is that you want. So you have to sit down. And you have to start. And if you don't know what you want, let me give you the first way to, to figure out what it is. Because it's so much easier to come into touch with this. What don't you want? Just take a piece of paper and everything you hate, start writing it down. I don't want debt. I don't want to have to get up at 4.30 in the morning anymore. I don't want my kids to not have the things that they want. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. And when you get done with that list, go through it and see how some of them probably really aren't what you don't want. Some of them will sound like what you don't want, but if you really dig into it, you'll realize that it's something be, something's actually causing that. And it's the root that you don't want. That's as deep as I can go there today. Or I can spend days in that rat hole alone. Just understand, sometimes you think you don't want one thing, and there's a cause of it. There's a reason that it's occurring. And it's the underlying cause that's what you really don't want. And if you took care of the underlying cause, the, the actual thing would actually become positive. And I can't tell you what that is because you have to figure it out for yourself. But start out with what you don't want and then start going through the don't wants and figure out the ones that aren't really don't wants. And then drill down to about ten things that are in your life that you really don't want there. You really do not want them there. And then determine what their opposites are. And then ask yourself, because most of these things are going to end up being feelings and emotions When do I feel that way? What am I doing when I feel that way? And if you don't know the answer to that, start doing shit until you feel that way. If you think, I think I'd like to volunteer and help little kids, go find a place. There's lots of them. Do it. If you do it and you don't enjoy it, find a different way to do that thing. Maybe you're going to do something completely different. Right? There's a billion ways to help little kids. So maybe the little kid is only part of what you really need to be doing. See, we're all sent here to walk a path in life. And the further we drift from that path, the more miserable we become. So you got to figure out what you want because your path that you're supposed to be on lies directly between where you are and that place of the things that you want in your life. Now, you may get to that destination. You may get everything you want. And you may go, huh, now I want something more. You get a new day destination. You keep walking. As long as you're alive, your trip down the path is not over yet. This is a continuously evolving process. The next thing is, You have to accept that it's possible for you personally. This is not I believe it's possible. I believe it's possible is a bullshit excuse and a way out. I believe it's possible. I believe it's possible that I could win the lottery without even playing. I believe it's possible. Why? I could get into some situation somewhere where somebody owes me a buck or two and says, here's a lottery ticket and I could win. I believe that's possible. But I, I don't really believe it's possible for me personally. I'm certainly not going to, to, to plan anything in my life around that event. And when, when you say to someone, well, it's possible for you in the next five years to get your life exactly the way you want it, start living that life forward from there exactly the way you dreamed, and work less and have more freedom and have more free time, and that doesn't mean necessarily start a business, it's possible. And they say, well, I believe that. What they're saying is, yeah, but... No, you gotta, you gotta believe it in your soul and in your heart, in your mind, and every part of your being that I can do this. And, and if you don't do that, it's gonna be very hard for you to start walking that path once you figured out what you want. 
What I can tell you is that I often get emails from people that say basically this. I listen to your show, and I listened to it long enough that I determined it was possible. And when I determined it was possible, here's what I did. And it's everything from starting a business to having a little place in the country and everything in between. The, the next one, though, is you have to unite your dreams with reality. Not everything is rosy. I want to read a very touching email I got to you. I'm only going to read part of it because I don't want to give away anything that's too personal to uh, to this person. But here's a brief history of this person. They were divorced in the year 2000. They bought their first solely owned home in, uh, in, a, in a city in 2002. They paid off $12,000 in credit card debt. In 2005, they rented out their house at this city, moved into a camper for three years to save for a down payment on what they perceived as their dream farm. In 2008, they went and bought three acres. And then they worked on remodeling one step at a time, including adding chickens, meat rabbits, and a giant 125-pound doggy. Now, doggy, like a dog, woof, woof, okay? So a lot of people would say, well, that sounds like living your dream. But listen to the rest of the story. I've put chickens in the freezer as well as meat rabbits by myself. But I don't have time for a good garden. I have planted fruit trees. Now, here is what I'm dealing with. I'm a single woman at 50 years of age next month. Farm work 99% of the time requires strength or at least two people. So many of the things I need to do, I can't. I can't afford to pay anyone else to do it. My dad wants to help, but is elderly, and none of my family will help. My son, May, he comes home from the Army on the 9th. Woohoo! Well, thank you for his service, and thank him for his service on our behalf here as a community. I have a one-hour drive through heavy traffic on the way home. This makes me lazy when I get home. I work long hours, leave the house at 5.30 a.m. most of the time, and I'm lucky to get home prior to dark. Put a face on my meat for the past few years, this last year being cute fuzzy bunnies. I feel that any carnivore should be willing to have a hand in raising and butchering their own meat, or they should not be a carnivore. Okay, o okay, only my opinion, sorry. After putting four rabbits in the freezer this week, I had an emotional breakdown. I could not stop crying. Could be pre-menopause, or it could be that having meat on the table just isn't worth killing an animal. My opinion for me only. But I'm also starting to feel that I would love to have a little home over in this other town, five minutes from work, too. Does anyone else follow their dream, only to find out they may not be cut out for this? I feel like a failure, not only for this but because at this point I should have more in the bank and it seems that all of my money goes into fixing things or remodeling projects. Very interested in your opinion because I'm going to have to make some decisions sometime in the next six months. Uh, well, and this person's name is Tracy. Uh, the reality is uh, my opinion doesn't matter. What you want in your life, Tracy, is what matters. And there's a lot of people who trade with you right now like that. That doesn't mean it's right for you. If you're, if you created this, this life for yourself because it was what you believed you wanted, but it isn't, then there's no problem with changing what you do next. The only thing worse than making a really bad choice in your life is making a bad choice in your life, feeling that you have no choice other than to continue in it, and then trying to justify it. So if it's not right for you, change it. But may I present some alternatives? You have an hour drive in traffic. Is there any way, any way, shape, or form you can change the drive rather than where you live if you actually like living where you live? As far as, you know, farm work, it doesn't have to be farm work. 
the trees are growing. They're, they're probably four or five years from production. If you put in systems that do most of the work for you, your life will get easier. If you put in simple container gardens close to your home using the space that you have that do a lot of their own watering, and you can learn to do that, and even at 50, trust me, you can drill a hole in the bottom of a five-gallon bucket, and you can put that together fairly cheaply. You can probably grow as a single woman living alone now probably more food than you, you could ever eat. Do you need to be more involved with your local community? Would that help you not feel lazy when you got home if somebody was counting on you for something else there? Could you find people in your community that would want to help you? I, I know there's tremendous numbers of people that would love to spend one day a week on three acres doing some stuff in return for getting something, you know, maybe taking a little bit of the production with them. And not workers, but friends. Do you need to tie into a local community center or a church? I mean, I don't know. I'm spitballing here. But what I'm, I'm trying to make a point for everybody out there and not just be personal with this, you have to unite dreams with reality. There's a hard reality that being a farmer is tough work. But, you know, a lot of people say to me, well, you know, your, your land is not great farming land. That's fine. I don't want to be a farmer. I'm a gardener. That's what I am. I'm a gardener that practices permaculture techniques. 100% of what I do is not permaculture. Most of what I do is. That's it. That's all I am, and I'm happy with that. You know, and trust me, even when you're 39, sometimes you feel tired. Sometimes you feel like you don't want to do things. It's pushing yourself beyond them that gets you to where you want to be, but only if you're going in the right direction. You know, if you think about a fly in a window, and he can't see through, he can't realize what the glass is, and he just keeps against that window, try and try as he might, sooner or later he'll die. The, the window could be open, though, if he just would go over a foot. Or turn and go the other way. So we can't. We have to be smarter than a fly. And if we're really doing something we're not happy with, we have to change course. And that that involves bringing a dream with reality. And, and, your, and Tracy's question is: Has anybody else ever followed their dream to find out that it wasn't really their dream? Every stinking day. It's the journey, not the destination, is the way they put it into a cliche. So what do you really want? So I would say to this person or anybody in a similar situation, sit down and write, what do you love about what you have? What do you dislike? Change the dislikes. Change the don't wants. Don't change the likes. Because that just leads to another form of regret. If you're strapped for money and you try to have a, like a condo or something, you got to come up with a new source of income if that's going to be the solution. You know? Can you change your drive into something positive? I don't know. Get an MP3 recorder and a microphone and tar start talking about the challenges you face. Might turn into a business. Just might happen. I'm just saying. Even if you think you can't, you probably can. The next thing is you have to take responsibility for your own education. And this is the most important uh, thing other than figuring out what you want as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, I give a lot of heartache to the higher education system, but I'm going to give them a little bit of a, of a positive backing and I'll put a little bit of responsibility on the student today. When you go to school and you buy a diploma, and let's not make any mistake about it, that's what you're doing. You might have to do work to eventually get the diploma, but you're buying a diploma. The name of the school, the accreditation, all that, that's what you pay for. So you can take that out and show it to somebody and go, look, I went to Duke. Or look, I went to 
you know, University of Florida or the University of Texas or I went to Yale or Harvard or Princeton, right? I mean, th that's what you're doing. You're buying the degree and you're doing the work to earn the credential. But what actually comes out of that work and earning of the credential is solely up to you as a student. And if you come out of there and you still really can't do anything, but you got A's, it's not completely the school's fault. I'm not going to say it's not partly the school's fault, but it's not completely the school's fault. And here's the thing. That's how freaking life works, whether you're in college or not. See, the reality is we live in a world today where anything, anything, anything you want to know how to do, you can learn how to do for free. Now, it might be smart to pay someone who already knows to shortcut it for you. But if you have the financial hurdle where you can't do that, or you have a time-constrained hurdle, you can learn. And you learn best by doing. Okay, But you learn best by doing and following the example of somebody who's already done. You learn best by following and emulating the example of people who know. Let me explain this to you. There's, a, there's this old, you know, I prefer edu experience to education. Uh, well, no, I prefer educated experience, uh, not just experience. Experience is... Is not really all it's cracked up to be, and I'll, I'll 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 put it to you this way. Let's say you were sitting in a courtroom right now, and you're sitting in a chair, and you are on trial for your life. Literally, you're on trial for a murder, a murder you did not commit, and you know you didn't commit, and you think the jury's pretty solid, and your attorney seems pretty solid right up till about this moment. The case is just about to begin. The prosecution's about to op make their opening remarks, and your lawyer turns to you and says, "Hey, dude, don't worry about this, man. I got it. We're going to be fine." I've never had a bit of education in my life about the law. I've learned everything from experience. How you feel? All right. Uh, you're about to go under the knife. The, the anesthesiologist is just about to put the, the little thing over your mouth and nose so you can breathe the happy gas and go to sleep. And the surgeon leans over and says, Dude, don't worry. I've never even been in medical school. I've, I've learned everything from experience. Do you think you might be putting your hand up there? And, whoa, 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 whoa. I need a different doctor. See, the two things have to be married together, the education and the experience, but we have to take individual responsibility for that. If you want the life you want and you figure out all the things you want and you don't know how to do something, you need to educate yourself to how to do it, including educating yourself to figure out how to get somebody else to do it for you sometimes. Because sometimes, like the last person I just read an email from, you know, it's just not an option to just pay somebody to do it. But is there a barter? Is there, you know, if you have a, do you have a resource you're not utilizing? You got three acres. You're one person. How much food does a person need? How much food does three acres, you know, produce? Could you, here, finally here it comes. I mean, I gotta think, right? So Tracy, Tracy's got three acres. What if you started a community garden? For a certain price, people would get a bed of a certain size prepared and ready to go. And yeah, maybe you'd have to pay, you don't want to do that yourself, maybe you'd have to pay somebody to do that. But if you did them on an as-ordered basis, so you want your bed, uh, you order it today, two weeks from now it'll be there, you pay today, and you use their money to pay for the installation. It's really not that complicated. I didn't give away where you live, but I know where you live, it's pretty dead gone flat. We're talking about some 2x12s and some dirt. Right? So, will it work? I don't know. But that, but you know, have you you know, what would it cost you to find out? 
You, you go to all the local garden centers, community centers and stuff, print up some flyers. There's about 50 cents. It's like, can you please let me put these up and hand them out and tell people about this when they come here that they can come get a prepared vegetable bed for this price and see if anybody freaking calls you. And if they do, say, it's how it works. Yeah. Right? Maybe you don't even charge them money. I mean, if you can afford the beds, maybe you do it this way. Maybe you say, for each bed that you cultivate for yourself, you have to cultivate one for me. It doesn't cost you nothing. I even provide the seeds. I mean, there's, you have to look at your resources that you do have. And people so focus on what they don't have. What do you have? What do you have available? What can you do? What can you provide? What value can you... And you have to use education to get there. You can't look... People will sit right in the middle, have everything they need, and not know what to do with it because they haven't educated themselves. Who's done it before? How do they do it? Did it work? Pick up the phone and call them. I guarantee you somebody running an operation like that will pick up the phone. They will talk to you. They will tell you everything that they've learned by doing it. They do not fear you as a competitor, especially if they're sitting in Spokane, Washington, and you're in Tallahassee, Florida, which isn't where Tracy is, by the way. Nowhere near Tallahassee, Florida, or Spokane. But you get my point. People running small operations like this, they, they don't hide what they're doing. They're happy to tell you what they're doing and how they're doing it. Just think, Tracy, if you had six people that each agreed that I'll cultivate one bed for myself and one bed for you for the price of the wood, the dirt, and the seeds, you could have six beds completely taken care of just for you. Is it possible? Sure. Will it work where you're at? I don't know. Maybe everybody where you're at already has land, but I bet they don't. I bet there's people that don't, that aren't that far away. That three acres, you could end up with an acre that way, a half acre being cultivated for you at no cost or expense or expenditure of energy, only a scaled investment in materials. I keep going back to it because I think it's a brilliant idea. I think there's probably a lot of you out there now that maybe are thinking, oh, I can do that. I got an acre. I can give up half of it and I could teach people and they would feed me with the surplus. How many beds can I have? How many can you work? If you take two, you got to work four. You know, maybe you'd cut a deal. If you take three, you only have to work two. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's all flexible. See, there's no rules. But without the education, and I don't care what it is. I, I get people every day, oh, Jack, I need some direction. I want to set up an online business with a community based on blah, blah, blah. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. Spec it out, dude, and start building it. You're going to screw shit up all the way along the way. That doesn't matter when you get to something you really can't do or you're going to take too long to do. Hop your ass over to Rent-A-Coder or some forum somewhere and say, I'm looking for somebody to do this. Somebody give me a bid, pay the damn bill, and get it done. Right? And the guy the other day, I want to do everything myself with this new website. You're not a freaking graphics designer, asshole. You're just not. And I say that I say that because I've said that to myself. I started jacking around with Photoshop one day, and that's what I said to myself. After like four hours of screwing with it, not being happy with it, so I went out and I found out that I could get a graphic designer to build what I wanted for 50 bucks. I would have been there for another 10 hours. And I could be focusing on what I can do. So education is not just about learning how to do things, but learning where your strengths are and learning how to cost effectively or resource effectively get things done for you. And if you start thinking that way, your whole life will change. That one thing today is worth listening to this show for 706 full episodes to hear that one thing. I believe that so much. When you start to realize 
that you can teach yourself what you need to know and get others to do what you don't do well, and there's more ways than just a dollar bill. And sometimes a dollar bill is the best way, and sometimes it's not. And that you start to look at everything in life and go, how can I leverage that? How can I improve that? How can I do better here? How can I make this work? How can I communicate better with this person? When you start to do that, everything, all the possibilities in your life are just like light switches. Click, 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 click. All of a sudden it's so bright you can't even see for the light. And you become one of the most optimistic people in the world. Nobody understands you. They all think you're like me. Nuts! This guy's happy about everything. Look, there's a dead skunk on the road. I can rub my boots in that when I go hunting. What the hell's wrong with you? I'm happy. I see the positive in just about everything. Now, when I see a town like Birmingham wiped out, I don't see, you know, a tornado, I don't see the positive in that. That's the reality side of the equation we talked about earlier. But sooner or later, I see the positive when I see neighbors coming out and helping each other. And I know that out of that event, there'll be relationships and things forged that will help people in the future. There'll always be something positive if we'll just look for it. But we've got to use education. And we have to take responsibility for our education. We have to realize that anything I don't, anything you don't know how to do or I don't know how to do that we want to know how to do, we're the reason we don't know. Nobody else, not circumstance, not life, nothing. I don't have enough time. You do have enough time. What you do with it is what matters. It's all about priorities. That means very simple, just like money. I tell my wife this all the time. She says, can we buy this? Can we buy that? You can buy anything you want. We just can't buy everything you want. So you have to put it in the order of what you see as the greatest priority for our needs and our wants right now. So you can have that, but then these other things we don't get till later. Do you want this now or do you want that now? Well, that's how your time and your education and your skill training works the same way. Do you want to read a fiction book to unplug your mind or do you want to learn how to code a computer program? Which one comes first? And what you'll find is the more of this you do, the less tired you'll be. The next thing is you have to embrace failure. Maybe I should have waited to read that letter until now. You have to embrace failure, especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur. If you're not going to embrace failure, go get a job and just freaking live the rest of your life working for a paycheck. Because you're going to fail. You're going to mess things up. You're going to do stuff and you're going to go, why the hell did I do that? And if you don't immediately start looking, well, what have I learned from that? What, why will I never do that again? How will I ensure that I never do that again? Was I 99% there and screwed up 1% of it? Can I fix the 1% and make it better than I ever thought it was going to be? You've got to embrace failure. Your, your, your life is crap if you want to embrace failure. You'll spend your whole life talking about what if, what if, what if. Well, what if this? Well, what if that? Well, what if I build, plant a garden and then the shit hits the fan and then, and then, and then the zombies come take away my tomatoes? Oh, shut up and plant a tree. Shut up and plant a garden already. Okay, or, or say, I don't want a garden. Fine. I accept that. I don't think everybody should have a garden because not everybody wants one. Not everybody wants the work. That's fine. But don't make some bullcrap what if excuse. I'll tell you this story again. Uh, I said it before and I think it resonated with some people and some people took it as kind of, you know, harsh and curt and they really didn't want kids to hear it or whatever but it's true and I heard it when I was 15 years old from my woodshop teacher we, we were both hunters and we were both hand loaders this was my sophomore year of high school and we're sitting there and I was working on a, a gun cabinet actually and I was, I was working on some part of it I remember that part and we were debating something about hand loads in 308 versus 3006 or something stupid like that where today with my wisdom I know what he knew then it didn't freaking matter 
And I'm like, well, what if this? And what if that? And what if this? And he was kind of a cool guy, and he knew who he could say things like this to and who he couldn't. So he pulls me up the speaker, come here, you know. And he said real quiet under his breath so that none of the kids in the other part of the wood shop heard it. He goes, I'm going to tell you something right now, and it needs, to, it needs to sink in. You need to learn from this. If your aunt had balls, she'd be your uncle. But she's not your uncle, is she? And it didn't really fully go into a 15-year-old's head, but I'm 39 and I'm telling you this story right now. That tells you it lasted with me for the rest of my life. And his point was, you can't worry about what if. Now, what if has a place. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. If what if is, well, I'm using a metal ladder and there's exposed wires up there, and what if one of them touches and electrocutes me? Well, then we need to take some actions to make sure that we don't fry ourselves and make the electric ladder instead of the electric chair. Right? There's a lot of things we can do to fix that. That's a reasonable what if. But what if I start a blog and nobody reads it? Well, you'll be where you are now and you'll have a new skill. Well, what if I what if I get a uh, if I pick a name and it limits my business in the future? Well, you'll figure that out when you get there. Well, Jack, what, this new agritruce, this is what I'm getting right now. This new agritruce standard. What if people cheat? Well, when they get caught, they'll lose their certification. But but what assurance does a consumer have? It's a free market system. But what if I don't know? I don't care. We build it. When we get there, we fix it. Right, And if we don't embrace failure, okay, well, that doesn't work very well. That standard is too strict. It's putting good people out. We're going to have to change it. We're going to be, have to be flexible. We've pissed some people off. They may never come back to us. Oh, well. I've said something on the air that hurt your feelings. You write me an email and say, Jack, I would never listen to you again. Now, I'm sorry. You know, if you're going to let five seconds of probably 2,000 hours of programming now do that to you, that's your problem, not mine. If I do it in 10,000 of the 25,000 people listening leave, I have to embrace that failure. I don't want it to happen. I promise you I do not want it to happen. It would really blow for me right now if that happened. But it could because I'm not going to censor myself. I'm not going to change who I am. I'm not going to be any different than a guy that climbed into his Jetta three years ago and started talking to you because I owe it to you to continue to be that guy. So I have to embrace failure wherever it happens. You know, I put something up. I think people are going to help me out with it. People just kind of fall off. Nobody gets it. It didn't work. I got to go try to do it again later. Fine. The next one is you've got to understand the power, and this goes right with it, of adapt, improvise, and overcome. That's something I learned in the military, and it's something, that's another thing that stayed with me as long as that story that uh, Mr. Fox told me, right? It's just going to stay with me forever. I don't care about the what-ifs because of adapt, improvise, and overcome. But what if you what if you bury all that wood for the Hugel culture bed and it doesn't really work the way Paul Wheaton says? I'll still have a garden. It'll do something. I'll let you know how it works by the end of next year. It's a hole in the ground, you know? If it doesn't work, maybe I need to do something the next time I build one and do it better. You know, maybe I did it wrong because it works for Sepp Holzer. It works for all these people Paul knows. So what if is not, I can't even begin to think about what if. What if when you go to dig your pond with the backhoe, and these are questions I'm getting now from a neighbor, you find out that there's bedrock there and you can't go three feet deep like you planned. Well, then I'll move the pond to a different location. Then I'll go build up and impound instead of down and capture. I, I'll, you know, I mean, and, and people live their whole freaking lives like freaking Eeyore. What if this? What if that? I'm going to go back to what, what Mr. Fox taught me. What if your aunt had balls? She'd be your uncle. 
So does that mean you're going to start sending her Uncle's Day cards instead of Aunt's Day cards? They have Uncle and, Uncle and Aunt Day. Has Hallmark invented that yet? I'm probably giving somebody up in Madison Avenue a freaking bad idea now by saying that. But you get my point. You know? Are you going to start calling your aunt uncle because it could happen? I mean, come on! What, what if you put your dingus in a hornet's nest? You'd get stung, so don't do that. I mean, there's, there's things we just don't do because the what-ifs are highly likely. There's things that we do and monitor the what-ifs, but we, we don't ever sit around paralyzed. Because that's how you end up waiting until you're 70 years old to walk down the beach carrying your shoes and you end up in a hospital or dead by then. You know, or you end up saying, I'm just too tired now. The next one is, you got to take action. you got to do something. I mean, do something every day. To, once you know where you're going, do just a little bit every day to get closer to there. And you may find, that's really not where I want to go. Well, improvise, adapt, and overcome. But if you're not taking action, because here's the, here's the big sleeping danger. Here's how this, this is how people get hurt later in life. They believed in this dream, this this box, this the place that they did think they wanted to go their whole lives. They never move an inch closer to it all through their life. They're just it's just out there. And eventually, like I was saying at the beginning, when they get to the gold watch ceremony or whatever it is, the social security check or, or whatever, and then they have it, they've waited fifty years and I really don't want this. Right, And they could have figured out 50 years ago, that's not exactly what I want, if they were taking action to get there. And throwing money in your 401k and waiting and working overtime so you can put a little bit more in there, they're all good. I'm not going to put that down, but that's not getting you any closer in reality when we're saying live the life you want now. It's not getting you any closer at all. In fact, you're getting further away from it. Your mind starts to morph it into things that aren't real. You lose the dream, loses touch with the reality. Where if you were working a little bit every day to get there, you would constantly be adjusting your course, constantly changing what the destination is, and instead of getting there overnight, we get there in five years. Here's the problem. The five-year plan has five years of adjusting course, improvising, adapting, and overcome, embracing failure, taking responsibility for our education, etc. That's the five-year, that's the short course to the plan. And it could be seven if you're not comfortable with five. It could be three if you're not comfortable with five. But that condensed plan that gets you there sometime now, sometime where I have to act today, I have to act tomorrow, I, have, I can't even take Saturdays off. Right? I gotta do, even on Saturday and Sunday, I gotta do one thing that gets me closer. That short course, right, has years, months, days of adjustment. The long course, the safe course, is actually the overnight course. I go from completely living this life to completely living that life with no adjustment, no education, no nothing. It's like flipping a switch. And, that, and then, gee, now it's too late. I don't have time to improvise, adapt, and overcome. I don't have time to educate myself. right? I'm living on an $1,800 Social Security check or a $1,200 Social Security check. I bought this place. Now I'm stuck here. I don't know what to do. If you're 50 and you got there and it's not quite what you want and you're like Tracy and you have to change it, be grateful you're not 69 and getting there. 
Be grateful you have time to take responsibility for your education, to adapt and overcome. You also have to track your progress. If you know, The only way you're even going to know you're taking action every day is to be tracking your progress. How much closer I am today than yesterday? How much closer am I today than last week? That's what the captain in the ship does, right? He's not out in the middle of the Atlantic going, ah, we're, we're on the right course, the compass is right, the GPS is right. <laughs> he also wants to know, well, where am I at? How far have I come? How long did it take me to get here? If it took me this long to get here and it was supposed to take me less time, do I need to speed the ship up? Do I need to slow the ship down? I might get there too early. Can you get there too early? Absolutely. Ask the harbor master. He'll have you sitting out there, you know, and maybe if the weather's going to be wrong, maybe you're better off arriving just at the right time. Now, the analogy's not 100%. If you get there in, in four years instead of five in life, that's great. That's a year you got back. Even if it was the wrong place, at least you have another year to fix it. But if you're not tracking your progress, you don't know. And this is the big one. This is so important that you understand this. You have got to be prepared to be surrounded by people who are wrong. Whenever you're doing anything in your life that breaks the rules, whenever you're doing anything that's significant, whenever you're doing anything that matters, whether you're building a survival podcast or building a garden in your backyard, someone's going to come around and tell you what you're doing wrong. And here's the key. They're wrong. They're wrong. When Almost 99% of the time... When people are not asked and they volunteer their opinion about the way you're living your life, they're wrong because I'm telling you what, they've never done it and they're not doing it. Now, if you're putting a garden in and a guy that's from the, the gardening center that's a master gardener that's been gardening for 50 years two miles away from you that lives in the same climate you do, deals with everything you deal with, and he tells you you're doing it wrong, you're probably doing it wrong. But when your neighbor, who has a perfectly green manicured Bermuda grass lawn that's never grown a seed in his life, that knows nothing except spray fertilizer, looks at what you're doing and tells you you're, you're doing it wrong, he's wrong. And you have to take that and go much bigger than a garden, folks. When you decide you're going to start a business, you're going to be surrounded by people that are telling you what you should do, what you need to do, why you shouldn't do it, why it's risky, on and on and on and on. They're all wrong. Even if you fail, they're still wrong. When you fail at something, it doesn't make them right. Because they didn't do shit. And they're not gonna do shit. And if, and, but they probably do care about you. So they take their own fears for themselves and they transpose them onto you because they are afraid that you will be hurt. You will be damaged. And here's the big thing, because people are naturally selfish, they're afraid that they're gonna be after the ones that are gonna have to fix it for you. It is selfish, it is short-sighted, and it's wrong. And you better be prepared to literally be surrounded by people who are wrong. Even if you start building a company, you'll hire good people and bring them in. And you'll have a vision for your company. And you might adjust, improvise, adapt, overcome the whole nine yards. You might take their opinion. But in the end, you might decide, this is the way the ship's going. And they might say, I don't care. And you say, no, you're wrong. And you're going to freaking do what I pay you to do or you're going to find the door. It could be anything from making a lifestyle choice that a, that a parent doesn't approve of or a, a child doesn't approve of or you're, you know anybody doesn't approve of that's around you. But you have to understand that most of those people are wrong. And when they volunteer the information to you and you didn't ask for it, they're almost definitely wrong. And when they do that, plus they have no practical experience of actually doing what you're doing, they're definitely wrong. You can't listen to them. you got to go on. And you got to expect that they're going to be there. And whenever they pop up, you just can just nod your head and smile and then do what the hell you want to do anyway. That's the way you get where you want to go. It, with one exception. If you're married, if you're a couple, your vision must be yours collectively. 
You and your spouse must agree upon a vision. Now, there might be specific things that are more important to you than her and more important to her than you. Okay? That's fine. But if two people care and love about, care about each other and love enough each other to be married and to be married long enough that this is even an issue, when you start looking at your wants and don't wants, you're going to find overlap. You're going to find plenty of things that you don't want that they don't want either. And you're going to find plenty of things that you do want that they want too. And you focus on those. Because if you can get those things right together, the things you want that are individually yours, you'll find a way to have them be part of your life. And you might find that each of you looks at these things that they don't think they want, uh, but the other one does, and eventually starts to find some happiness with some level of sharing of them. But you have to do this collectively. You have to have, as they call it, a come-to-Jesus meeting with your spouse. And you better do this in a smart way, especially guys, you freaking knuckleheads. You don't start dictating. You don't start talking to them the way you hear me talking to you today. I'm kicking your ass because you need it. You kick your wife's ass, she's going to kick your ass back or way worse. You know, you, you ain't even going to win the battle, let alone the war, fellas. Don't try it. It's about a real heart-to-heart, honest, I want to figure out what I want. I want you to figure out what you want. I want us to build that together. And I want us to figure out what we don't want. And honey, that may mean the credit cards get cut in half. There might be some places, men, as leaders in your home, you need to step up and do what needs to be done. And that's one of them. You and your family are slaves if you carry debt. And if you're already a slave, you need to buy your freedom by getting out. And that's reality. But that's about the biggest one. That's the, that's the one where you might have the biggest tension with each other. Where one wants to, and it can go the other way, folks. It can go the guy wants to keep spending, and and women, if you have that man in your life, you need to sit him down and say, listen, very, very friendly, very, very positively, I love you, I married you, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. But we can't do this anymore. And I expect you to be a leader in our home, honey. And that means you need to take us where we go. We're enslaved to these people, and I don't want to be enslaved to anybody. And I expect you to take some leadership responsibility in helping us get out of that. And there are very few men that are going to turn that down. They may not like it. You may have to wait a day or two for them to come back to you. And you may have to be at peace while that goes on. But it'll reach them. And then you have to build the vision of where you're going collectively. So you know that first part I said you got to know what you want. If you're married, you got to know what both of you want. And where both of you are going. So that you don't get to one place where one person is completely happy and the other person is completely miserable. Because that sucks. And then this is the last thought today and, and probably the most important one really in, in some ways. You have to understand that if you do what I'm telling you, if you follow this blueprint, if you build your own plan for your life, if you take this attitude on, if you start down the path, you are guaranteed success. You are absolutely guaranteed success, but you are not guaranteed specific success. There is no guarantee that where you end up is going to look the way you described it when you started. For some people, the lucky ones that are in touch with themselves internally, within touch with themselves spiritually, that know what they were sent to this place to do, it'll be very, very similar. But most of us aren't. We're detached from that inner person. And we're going to find that person along the way. And life will put up things that knock you down. I was supposed to be here in Arkansas about six months before I got here. 
it didn't happen for some life events and, and some medical bills and because I love my wife and I tried to make the transition as, as, as smooth as possible and I probably could have made it even with everything else on the deadline if it wasn't for the last one. But the last one was the most damn important one of all. You know, I'm going to ask a woman to move five hours from where she, where her family is, even though she's been with me for, God, 16 years. You know, I'm going to do it in a way that works for her. So it didn't work out exactly the way you planned. Now as we start shaping the land, and land is not going to shape exactly the way that I planned. When I moved here, I wasn't going to have an office and the expense of an office because I always worked from home with this show for a year after I left my office in Frisco. Well, the Internet gods didn't see it as, as acceptable to allow high-speed Internet on top of my mountain. So I had to improvise and adapt and overcome. It's so dadgone hot, I thought it would be a little bit cooler up here. It's not. It's worse. It's humid. I mean, it never totally matches. And mine's close. So yours might be 50% different by the time you actually figure out what it is. And it might take 50% longer than you had originally planned. But what I'll tell you is this. Your plan needs to be short and aggressive if it's going to succeed. If it's a five-year plan and it doubles, it becomes a ten-year plan. Okay, uh, that is about uh, you know uh, what do you say ninety percent better than what most of America does. Most of America works for about fifty years or more, and I'm not just talking about a retirement thing. I'm not retired. I work every day. I get out of bed. I come here. I do a job. I run a business. I'm starting other businesses. But I'm doing everything on my own terms. You might wake up every day and go to a job. It's fine as long as it's a job you actually want to go to. It's fine as long as it's a job that when you really need a week to go see your son on the other side of the country who's struggling in school, you have the freedom to do so. It's fine if there's still time in your life for the things that you love. It's fine if you work the number of hours you choose. You know, my wife right now is like, well, I don't know if I really like working in the office with you and, and being involved in the business like this. I like kids. Maybe I want to go back to nursing. I'm like, if you, you know, try it. See what you want. Go work two days a week, though. Work four hours a day. If people don't want you that way, tell them to screw off and go find somebody that does. You don't need a job. You know? If you only need half your income, you only need to work half as hard or half as long. Your choice. You can take a job that pays half as much. It's easier or you can do what you do now for half the time as a part-time contractor. It's not all easy. There's things you have to be responsible for. You have to start thinking differently. Yesterday I was going to take a mirror off the wall. It's a manufactured home. So the freaking twerps glued the mirror to the wall. We have a contractor doing some things. I'm doing some things in this one guest bathroom. So I'm looking at the mirror and I'm thinking basically I need to smash the mirror, get it off the wall... You know, and, 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 and deal with it. And then I start thinking this way. If you get cut full, you don't have workers' compensation. There's no one to fill in for you at the office. This is a risk that you can mitigate by throwing the contractor an extra 50 bucks and saying you take care of it. So, in a normal situation, I might have risked being cut, and you can get pretty bad cut with a mirror and the way this thing's up there, and it's, it just sucks, right? Or I could go put on a you know an armor suit the best I can and go in there with a sledgehammer and crack it up and get it off the wall. There's a lot of ways I could do it, and at a different time in life I may have done it, but now I have to think differently because 
I'm living life on my own terms. I have additional responsibilities that no one else can do. There's no one to cover for me. So I have to think differently. That, that, that's what I mean when I say you're guaranteed success, but not specific success. It's not going to be exactly the way you planned it, but it's okay. Because it's a hell of a lot more than most people have. And, and the big thing I want to finish with today is what does it look like for you? I don't know. I'm not Yoda. I'm not going to try to pretend to be Yoda. It's up to you to define it. Just like I tell you all the time, the survival plan, your, your lifestyle plan. You know, when it comes to preparedness, How much food should you have? How much food do you think you need under your conditions and your living conditions and the way you live and the way you assess the risk around you to feel comfortable and to live a better life now because you're saving money on your food purchases because you can make smart choices? However you figure that out for yourself, if it's three months, it's three months. But Jack, you have nine. Yeah, and I'll have a year eventually. I'm slowly building it. But what I have and what you have is not important. Somebody else has five years. Why don't I want five years? I think it's pointless. I think based on the space that I have and what I can store and eat and what I store and store and what I eat, I, I don't want five years. I think a year is a great goal for me. It's taken me almost three years of concerted effort to get to nine solid months. And that basically means in the end of another year, and probably less with all, well, it'll probably be a year because all the production from what I'm doing now from the self-storage and stuff will be coming in next year. But in the end of a year, I'll be at my one-year goal. And it will be Very, it'll be like coasting on a bicycle to stay there. Use something, replace it, that's it. Constantly use something, constantly replace something. I'll be like everybody else in the world that goes to the grocery store every week or every other week or maybe with me once a month. But I'll buy the stuff, I'll put it back in a rotation and just keep going. But it's not exactly the way that I thought it would be. You know? I'm not exactly as far as I thought I would be by now. There's some things that I wanted to do along the way that didn't get done. I've screwed some stuff up. I, I've, I've done things that are mistakes. It's okay. But I have success. And that's what I'm telling you you can have. You can have success. I can guarantee you success. Absolutely. And I, I mean that. I don't care who you are. I don't care how little you have. If you'll embrace what I've told you today and you'll start acting on it, I will guarantee you success. I'm just not going to guarantee you what it looks like. I'm not going to guarantee you where you're going to end up, but I will guarantee you that if you keep fighting the good fight, you'll find what does it for you. And you'll realize the simple truth. No one else can tell you what that is. And it's daunting, and sometimes it's even frightening. And when you're 40 or 50 or 60 years old, and you sit down and you go, what do I really want? And you go, I don't know. You can have that emotional moment. But just like when you're a little kid and you skinned your knee and you want your mommy to come put a Band-Aid on it for you and you thought the Band-Aid made it feel better, Band-Aid didn't do nothing, kept, kept dirt out of it. Didn't actually make it feel better. Realize there's nothing wrong with feeling bad once in a while. The key is you get up and you keep running. You do that, you will have success. And whether it's a homestead in an urban environment or a homestead on 80 acres or anything in between, whether it's a dream job or a dream partner in life, whatever it is, you can have it. You just don't get to decide exactly what it's going to be like. The big thing is figure out where you're going, plot your course, and take at least one action every day to get you closer to where you want to be. And as you find things along the way are not quite what you envisioned and not quite what you want, change course. And the big thing is if you want to try to do something freaking do it. 
Don't email me and ask me if I think it's a good idea. I, I'm going to tell you right now, from now on when I get emails that say, do you think this is a good idea? I'm going to tell you no. One word answer, no. And then I'm going to say, listen to episode 706 at the end and see what I really mean by it. What I mean is no. I think it's a terrible idea if you believe in it so little that you have to ask me to bless it before you're going to continue on with it. If you think it's a good idea, and I look at it, and I say, I've seen other people do that before. It failed. I don't think it's... I could be completely wrong because what you're explaining to me and your actual vision and where you'll be by the time you get there and what you'll learn along, that's not in me, and that's not my problem, and it's not my project, and I'm not going to invest my life into it. So I don't know. Flip. I don't have any idea if what you're going to do is a good idea. Now, if you've built it to a point where it's functioning, and you, you say, here it is, here it's working, it's what it does, can I make it better? I can probably look at it and go, well, there's some things you can do to make it better. But then I'll know, I'll know that my advice that I give you, if it's bad, you're going to know it's bad, even when I don't. I can be confident in giving you advice, because I know you know your product, you know your vision, you know how it works, you know how it's built underneath, you know what it's supposed to do, you know how well it's working right now, you know all that stuff. When it's just an idea, it's crap to me. It's not crap to you. That's the point, Val, isn't it? Of course it's crap to me. It's not mine. You are never going to present Jack Spirico with an idea without anything already done underneath it, without it functioning, that he's going to care about. My idea is, look at AgriTrue. AgriTrue is a week old. It's actually growing already. There's actually people involved. There's actually a root standard. It may change, but it's in motion, right? Is that because I'm some freaking genius? No, it's because I did something. I just did it. That's how you have to live your life. You have to start just doing things. Nike got their slogan right. Just do it. Simple as it sounds, as cliche as it sounds, it's really the secret to life. And with that, I'll wrap up today. And this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if the times get tough, or even if they don't. There's nothing I can do It's the price we pay, I guess And we follow all the rules There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way Nobody up there cares, they're living for today.